0: Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there's so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there.
1: And you're tired of the senseless and toxic diet culture noise. You're ready to tune into your body, feel empowered around food, and focus on your true health and well-being. Welcome to the Wellness Rebranded podcast. We're the healing trio of your health and
0: wellness anti-diet dreams. I'm Tara, personal trainer... I'm Elizabeth, Registered Dietitian and Certified Intuitive Eating Counselor.
1: And I'm Maura, Licensed Clinical Social Worker.
0: Together, we're pushing back on diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity to help you practice genuine health-promoting self-care.
1: So grab your water bottle, forget the rules, and let's start rebranding your wellness journey. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. Last time we talked about intuitive eating, and today we're going to be doing more of a deep dive. So if you have not heard last week's episode, go back and listen to it. And if you haven't taken Elizabeth's free five-day course, definitely check it out. It's How to Break Up with Dieting for Good. Link is in the show notes, and it has got a lot of great information. So yeah, listen in for a deep dive on intuitive eating. Elizabeth, I don't know a whole lot about intuitive eating, but I have heard that there are like 10 main
2: principles. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's so funny. We didn't really get to talk about them at all in the last episode. There are 10 principles of intuitive eating, and essentially those principles are the framework to help you heal or improve your relationship with food, to understand gentle nutrition, to consider your relationship with movement, really to kind of... Think about how you want to approach your health and self-care. So I'll run through them. We could literally do one or two or three episodes on each one individually. But since you don't know them, let's just do the quick flyby of the 10 principles of intuitive eating. Those all sound
2: like amazing benefits. Like who doesn't want to like feel better in their body and learn gentle nutrition? Yes.
1: It's a no-brainer. Actually, Tara, the way you just said that is what I have heard before. Every once in a while, I'll bring up intuitive eating in a session with a client that it sounds like might be a good fit. And often they're like, well, that sounds great. (laughs) But I'm really glad you're asking them that way.
0: <laughs> it sounds great, but it sounds too good to be true. Right. If well, I don't, it's not going to work. And why do people feel that way? Because they currently don't trust their bodies, because they're used to having a very rigid structure around how to right. eat. There's no they, rules, or they can't imagine eating without focusing on weight loss, right? But all of that is eating for an end goal. Well, I mean, that last part is eating for an end goal. What intuitive eating invites you to consider is how do you wanna eat to care for your body right now today? Not because you're trying to achieve some outcome, but because you're a person and you wanna feel great in your body and you wanna probably take care of it and support it in the best way that you can with the resources you have available. To me, that's very different than eating to achieve a certain outcome. That, by the way, most people are not going to achieve because dieting doesn't work. So there are 10 principles of intuitive eating. The first one is ditching the diet mindset. And that is really where we help you understand that dieting doesn't work. And also it causes harm. And also it's not your fault. It's because we live in this crazy diet culture. And we really help you understand and look in your own life at has dieting actually helped me or harmed me? And what do I want instead? So that's the first principle is really helping you get. That sounds like
2: difficult to master.
0: It is very difficult to master because we're so conditioned to look at food through the lens of weight loss and to believe that dieting is the answer. And that also, if you want to get healthy, go on a diet, right? Even your doctor tells you when you go (laughs) in. Tell me about it. If you have a certain health thing, well, there you go. Go focus on weight loss. Maura, you're raising your hand. You have
1: a question. You had just said something that you had said this in the last episode as well. And it's actually like one of the things when we were working together that I was like, I know that this is all very familiar to me. This is like the therapy I do but before eating. Uh-huh. And I know how much like this therapy changed my life. And I'm like, oh, my God. But anyway, you had said, what is your experience told you? Yeah. We spend so much time logically yes. thinking what's going to work and what doesn't work truly tapping into like what is your experience actually shown you has been helpful or has worked and what has the cost been right. what has your experience been absolutely I love that so much
0: yeah because ultimately the truth is I can sit here all day long and tell you that that scarcity based diet minded counting tracking measuring approach to food that is all focused on weight loss doesn't work. But diet culture That's is really loud, and there's so many other people out there telling you something different, offering you a solution, offering you hope, even though there's no evidence that those solutions work.
1: Your own lived experience is absolutely best, right? I have another thing. Uh-huh. I know that we're only going through an overview, so I'm sure we'll come back to this at another point. I'm thinking about something, again, in our work together. Mm-hmm. When I did check into my experience, I was like, well, it did work mm-hmm. at first.
0: Yes, at first. Can you say that last part
1: louder, Maura? <laughs> it worked at first. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. because there have been times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to run every single day, and I'm going to eat this way, and I'm going to do all these things. And I lost all this weight, and I look great, and I'm like feeling kind of more confident, sort of. That comes and goes. But all of these things are working, and then here I am, and wow, not only have I gained all that weight back, there's like more.
0: Probably more because that's what the research shows. Two-thirds of dieters will ultimately gain more weight than they lost. Two-thirds. Stop and think about that for a second. That's shocking when we're told that that's the solution, right? But yes, I think diet culture or the diet industry is one of the only industries out there that sells you a solution. They sell you a product, a program, however you want to define it. And then when it fails... They convinced you it's your fault. Genius, really. Well, I felt like it was. Horrible. Of course you did. Because the narrative out there is well, you just didn't (laughs) have enough willpower. You didn't have enough self control. But I see this every every year at the gym Mm -hmm. in
2: January, we get like a flood of new people and they're coming in and they're like working out six days a week and they're doing all sorts of things that they've never done before and they think is the right way to do all the things. And within weeks, they're gone. They can't sustain it. It's not sustainable. Because they're not listening to their bodies and easing into it and practicing, like, gentle movement.
0: Right. And also probably not true. Is it practical that you're going to go to the gym every day, twice a day for the rest of your life? (laughs) Probably not. No. Right? Or even every day for an hour doing the hardest possible thing you can imagine. Right. So it's set up for failure at the outset. I'm so glad you raised that point, Maura, actually, is how do we define success? If I told you, go on this diet, you're going to lose weight. Did you do that thinking, oh, they're telling me I'm going to lose weight for a few months or a few weeks or a year? Or did you think that's going to be my long-term solution? Absolutely. And, oh, it's a lifestyle change. Right. (laughs) You don't call them diets anymore. Yeah, Yeah. but it's still (laughs) a diet. It's still reduce your calories to eat to lose weight. It doesn't matter what they call it. It's still a diet. The question that I would ask of anyone out there who has ever been on a diet and gotten those up and down results is, did it actually work? If you didn't get long-term results, did it actually work for you? And again, it's not your fault. I cannot (laughs) emphasize that enough. The setup is flawed from the get-go. It's not that you're doing something wrong. That's principle number one, is having all these conversations. These are the types of things that I really help walk my clients through, looking at your lived experience, understanding the science, the biology, the psychology, kind of looking under the hood, basically, of how you're approaching food to see if it's actually working for you. People forget how you eat is just as important as what you eat. If you have a lot of overwhelm stress, kind of all those mind gremlins in your head, then that's not all that helpful. The second principle is honoring your hunger. And I love this principle because normally people will say to me, "Oh, hunger is not my problem. My problem is I can't respect my fullness cues." And People don't understand that they go together. I would say more often than not, when I sit down with someone, they're not eating enough. They're either not eating enough overall. They're not eating enough consistently throughout their day. They're not making their meals substantial enough to hold them over for several hours. So it's really getting in touch with your hunger. What does hunger feel like in your body? How much food do you need throughout the day? I help people figure that out. Sometimes people ignore their hunger because they're dieting. Sometimes people ignore their hunger because they get busy or they just don't prioritize it in their life. Oh, that would be me. Oh, we need to work on that, Tara. (laughs) It's awkward eating
2: in front of your clients. Yeah. They're, like, doing stuff and I'm munching on a sandwich or something. It's Uh weird. So I tend to grab those, like, easy access items, a protein bar, piece of fruit, whatever, and eat really quickly so that I can get back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's definitely, like, not ideal.
0: Yeah. And I would say there's kind of a method to the intuitive eating. There's a reason why ditching dieting is first, because if you're focusing on weight loss, you're automatically not focusing on your body. So we need to get you not focusing on weight loss so that you're able to focus on your body. Honoring your hunger is second, Because the most fundamental thing I can help you do as a dietitian is make sure you're getting enough to eat to support your body, right? So that's why honoring your hunger comes next. The third principle is make peace with food. Have you ever
1: felt like I can't buy, I don't know, Oreos because I would eat the whole best? This was something that you and I worked on, Elizabeth. I can buy ice cream every once in a while. But not too much because I will eat all of it right away Mm -hmm. because that had been my experience. Yes. Because I had only bought one little thing or maybe I did buy two and then I did eat both things of ice cream. (laughs) I didn't enjoy it, though, in retrospect.
0: Right. And you probably did that
1: coming off of some restrictive eating program. Yeah. right. I mean, I was restricting ice cream, right? And then I'm like, I'm going to buy two. Pints of ice cream, (laughs) and I'm going to eat both.
0: Yeah, a little bit of rebellious eating comes in because what are we rebelling against? We're rebelling against the damn rules that tell us we can't have ice cream. I'm laughing at this because one time I bought a
2: giant thing of Reese's Cups, so I got like four in there. Uh And I was like jiving, and I ate one, and I was like, oh, yum! I love these. And the next thing you know, I like reached over and I'm like, where are they? And I had like eaten all of them without even realizing what I was doing. And it was kind of like a wake up call. Like, girl, if you're going to eat this, you should at least pay
0: attention and enjoy it. Right. Right? Yeah. Like mindlessly shove it in your face. Yeah. So mindful eating is not one of the principles of intuitive eating and mindful eating and intuitive eating are different. But I would say you can't be an intuitive eater without also learning how to be mindful. Oh, interesting and then understanding as you're telling me that story there's so many questions that I want to ask you about that event because there's an so open book. Well, it's probably so long ago that it wouldn't be relevant and we don't have time. But yeah. just like for, I guess that's what I help my clients do is like, okay, you just told me you had this scenario. Let's unpack it. Let's figure out why was that your experience that day? What was your thinking? What was your circumstances? How had you eaten earlier in the day? Mm. And if I can help you understand the why, well, now you have like such an awesome
1: nugget of information to help you change your behavior going forward. In me. Oh, this is reminding me of something that's pretty prevalent in psychology and in therapy is that we think that we're really good at identifying mm-hmm. the thing that happens right before uh-huh. a behavior. We're actually really bad at it. We're awful at it. Oh, and interesting. so the questions that you're asking are actually helping people kind of elicit like what really was. Yes. Because we do default to like, oh well, I just don't have any willpower. Right. Or like here I go again, you know, like yeah, that's I knew I should
0: I knew I couldn't buy Reese's peanut butter cups right? No, there's something more going on and you need to be able to understand it. It's fascinating that you say that. I always put it as one of the things I love about coaching and why I work with my clients in an ongoing basis is I say it as you can't see around your own blind spots. Often you can't see your own limiting beliefs. So having someone be able to kind of challenge you a little bit is super helpful. Yeah.
1: Not to derail us again, but that's like a beautiful metaphor that I love using is that while I'm climbing my mountain over here, uh-huh. I can look over at your mountain and see some things that you might not be able to see. Like I might be able to see a route or like a place of yes. place to hand that yes, 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 you might yes. not be able to see from your perspective. But I'm over here climbing my own. Yeah. If you were to look over here, you would definitely see a bunch of places I can <laughs> yeah. go. And at the same time, I from here can't look over at your experience and know exactly what you're feeling. So you know what's going on. Right. I can just kind of point some things out that I'm seeing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I love that metaphor. Mm-hmm. I do so, too. It's so apt, you know? I love that too. So shameless plug on that one is if you're struggling, get someone who can help support you because they can help you see things you probably can't see yourself. Okay, moving right along. The fourth principle of intuitive eating is called challenging the food police. Any ideas what this is? Why do we talk about this? I have a feeling
2: that I love this because <laughs> I do think it's nobody else's business what someone is eating. Yes, right. I'll give you an example. When I was getting married, I went to some event at church and we had cookies and carrot sticks and hummus and brownies and a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody brought stuff. And I was getting married in like two weeks and I put my plate with cookies, brownies, carrot sticks, hummus, all the things. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, aren't you getting married next month? And I was like, yeah, why? Yeah. (laughs) I was like a little bit shocked at why she was scared about this. And she was, you are never going to fit in your dress eating all that. And I was like, well, first of all, my bestie's a wedding dress designer, so it's couture, and I'm getting the dress to fit me, not the other way (laughs) around. Clothes are meant to fit yeah, our bodies. Like, <laughs> why do we try to like squeeze into something that, yeah. let's just get a different size. Yeah. So the fact that she called me on it, I was kind of taken aback by it. So I would consider her to be food police.
0: Yes. Hero. What's interesting about the food police is they're absolutely other people in exactly what you're describing can be the food police passing judgment or making unwanted, unhelpful comments on what we're eating. But just as if not more often, the food police happens in our own minds that I shouldn't be eating this. This has too many calories. That has too much fat in it. Oh, my gosh, I should be avoiding carbs. It's kind of like that. The food police are that voice that so many people, especially people who have dieted, have in their heads that's bombarding you with food and eating rules all day long. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how common it is when I first meet with people and they say, Elizabeth, I just have no idea how to eat anymore. I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I've heard so many different things. I can't figure out what is the right thing. I'm in my head all day long, second guessing my food choices. It's making me feel terrible. That is the food police. It makes total sense
2: because all the mainstream diets contradict each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you've done more than one or
2: you know, there's just mm-hmm. so many. It's like, how could you possibly follow all the rules? Mm-hmm. Of course. There's right. no way.
0: Yeah. And they come And you shouldn't. It. Right. Nor should you. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you for pointing that out.
1: <laughs> I feel like just labeling it in my own experience, when I notice those thoughts show up, kind of labeling it of, ah, there's the police again. Yeah. Just kind of labeling it that way. I'm all of a sudden, like, not taking it as seriously, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. taking it as literally. That's a great idea. I have another client who <laughs> she's always says,
0: Who invited the food police? And I love that one because she says it kind of snarky, (laughs) which I think is awesome. But yeah, sometimes people really don't know, right? But wait, am I supposed to eat carbs or am I not supposed to eat carbs? Or like, is dairy okay or isn't it okay? So being able to understand, okay, well, what is actually the nutrition science? But most of the time the food police are not even rooted in nutrition science, yeah. right? They're just some diet rule that someone told you. I see this a lot. I have polycystic ovaries.
2: So like, more, you've probably seen this then. There are people that will be like, "Oh my gosh, you have PCOS, you cannot eat any dairy, you cannot have any gluten, uh-huh. you eat very low carb."
1: What's left to eat? But, but <laughs> Yeah.
2: Like, what do you eat then? Like, just protein only? That sounds really bad for you. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I eat everything, obviously, but it just feels like when you have something extra like that, whether it's PCOS or diabetes or whatever, there's so many more rules. Yeah. And they all contradict each other.
0: Yes having someone who can actually help you through that's a really good idea but <laughs> that um, feels like food police you know like well it is food police who invented theme. this yeah little. food police shows up in the medical community all the time also so fourth principle we're challenging the food police uh, essentially quieting that noise in your mind so that you can either be neutral or peaceful and when you don't have the food police shouting rules at you all day long you can actually make decisions for yourself from a more empowered place which Isn't that what we're all looking for? (laughs) Yes. Okay. By the way, I may not be getting these in order. It doesn't really matter. We don't work (laughs) through them in order in intuitive eating, but we will go through all of them. So principle number five is discover the satisfaction factor. And this is the part of healthful eating that everybody out in diet culture likes to forget, which is enjoying your food is healthy too. Mm. (laughs) And so discovering the satisfaction factor is helping you tune into and frankly lead with, I tell all of my clients, The very first thing you should ask yourself at mealtime is, what do I want to eat? What sounds good to me? Right? Then we can start fine-tuning it for what's going to help you feel the way you want at that meal, right? Usually through addition, not subtraction. But the satisfaction principle, they describe it as the hub of intuitive eating. And all the 10 other spokes come off of that because satisfaction is so key. And I'll give you a really quick, tiny example, and then we'll probably wrap up this episode. But you can be full and not satisfied. And if you're physically full, that but, happens to me all the yeah, time. Yeah, been there. Yeah, it's so you need to go revisit the satisfaction <laughs> principle of intuitive eating because if you're full but not satisfied, what usually happens? I'm eating more. Yeah, I go look for some, of like, course. well, you I need, need a eating. Reese's peanut cup now. We call that phantom eating in intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. It's like you're trying to find satisfaction in an unsatisfactory food. So how many times have you, you know, been trying to follow the rules, be mm-hmm. good with your eating, right? And maybe you wanted a chocolate chip cookie, yeah. but you were, quote unquote, being good. So you're like, I'll just have some carrots. Mm-hmm. carrots are not a chocolate chip cookie. So you eat them. You're like, mm, yep, that didn't do it. Now you're like, I'll just have a handful of graham crackers. Listen, we try to make cauliflower
2: into
1: everything.
0: <laughs> right? So, right?
1: <laughs> I will say, I do kind of like some cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so funny. One of my favorite memes is like, if cauliflower can be pizza, you can be anything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So then you eat the graham crackers, right? And you're like, oh, okay, that was a little better. But still not chocolate chip cookie. Maybe I'll have a yogurt. You eat the yogurt. You just end up eating the chocolate chip cookie anyway. You've now eaten through a bunch of foods to get you to that chocolate chip cookie. Or maybe you don't eat through so many foods, but then when you finally do eat the chocolate chip cookie, well, now you have a whole bunch of them because you tried so hard to avoid it that it became a thing, right? Mm, and that then, is so interesting and so relatable. Yes. <laughs> this is why it's the hub. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that is why it is the hub of intuitive eating. <laughs> so we're going to stop here for today. There's still five more principles. Apparently, we're turning this one into a series. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys are enjoying it. We um, are. This is I fun. Sure. I I'm love learning sure. a lot. If you want to learn more, again, Go back and listen to the first episode. Stay tuned for the next one. Go sign up for that free five-day course, How to Break Up with Dieting for Good. It will actually give you some steps to get
1: started on this journey. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Wellness Rebranded. If you found this helpful, please take a moment to leave us a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about me, Mora, you can find me at my website, moratunny.com. If you want to connect with Tara, find her on Instagram at fitness. To connect with Elizabeth, visit her at ElizabethHarrisNutrition.com. And while you're there, follow the link to join her health and healing with intuitive eating community on Facebook.